back to another episode of the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jeroz and Chuck, and you can follow me on Twitter at DFBeanCount. Today, we're going to dive into some LaVisca Chenault because he is someone that I have really been struggling with. What do I want to do with this player? His situation, his profile, his everything is really unsettling to me. So let's dive into why that is. So to start with, let's go through his prospect profile. He is six foot one, 227 pounds. He is a bona fide alpha. The dude is thick as they come. He ran at the... He ran at the combine. He ran a 4.58, but honestly, he wasn't even wearing a tracksuit. It's like he wasn't even trying to run fast. He wasn't even wearing a tracksuit, and he was running injured. I forget exactly what his injury was. It was something weird with his groin. I don't really recall the specifics. The point is he never should have ran, and it was weird that he did, and he disappointed. And and honestly, nobody really thought he was going to run a 4.58. They thought he was going to be a lot faster than that. So anyways, it doesn't really matter. What really does matter is he is... Er- he was rather an age 21 rookie. We like age 21 rookies, especially when they're early declares, which LaVisca Chenault was. He checked those boxes. He checked the easy ones. He was like a serial winner, right? The guys who come into college at 18, play it, dominate at 19, and then play their junior year and declare for the NFL. Guys that take the shortest path possible to get to the NFL. These are the ones we like. LaVisca Chenault's profile gets crazy and weird when we start looking at his production. Marcus Scherzer receiving yards by age. He was well under the threshold at 18, which is fine. We don't really care about age 18. It's kind of a bonus more than, more than anything else. Age 19, though, that's where we want to see the players dominate and LaVisca Chenault absolutely dominated and then at age 20 he didn't and it was weird in terms of yards per team pass attempt the same thing happened age 19 he crushed it age 20 not so much weird things happening the reason that he did not dominate as a junior was because of this little known fact first discovered by the great at Cooper underscore DFF he says discerning follower this is a whole thread i'm just skipping to the skipping to the good part here so discerning followers will notice two games stick out on the tony brown game log asu in arizona of tony brown's season long numbers 34 percent of his receptions 41 percent of his receiving yards and 60 percent of his receiving touchdowns came from those two games literally half his production came in two games he did nothing else the rest of the season this is in 2019 this is lavisca's final year in college Want to know what happened? LaVisca Chenault missed two games, the ASU game and the Arizona game. So Tony Brown was the only guy on the field. Tony Brown caught all the, <laughs> caught all the passes, got all the yards and all the touchdowns. And that completely skewed LaVisca Chenault's profile. Because if LaVisca Chenault hits in that junior year, like he should have, like he would have, had Tony Brown not exploded for these two games, we would be talking about LaVisca Chenault, the bulletproof prospect. Unfortunately, we are not. We're talking about LaVisca Chenault, the long shot prospect. In my old variation of how I did the grades before I used actual math and had an actual process, I just kind of eyeballed it. And this was one of the things that I felt made LaVisca bulletproof, regardless of his profile. I have since changed my process and now stick to the math. LaVisca is a long shot but we take into that consideration this kind of stuff it still matters to us we're just we're just not changing the grades because of it that's what it comes down to so we look at sophomore comps for lavisca chenault this is comparing his prospect profile his profile type so alpha versus beta he's clearly an alpha and then we're looking at his rookie year pff grade his rookie year points per game and his adp trends that he gained or lose value from an adp perspective startup adp and when we put all these together 
LaVisca Chenault comes out with these sophomore comps as a long shot prospect. Josh Gordon, Michael Crabtree, Crabtree, Devontae Parker, DK Metcalf, Jordan Matthews, Torrey Smith, Corderell Patterson, and Muhammad Sanu. That's the whole list. That's a pretty good list. That's a real good list. We have one, two, three, four, five, six out of eight players on this list hit a top 24 season. That's with his bad profile of long shot. If we flip it, if we assume that those two games where Tony Brown went bananas never happened. LaVisca is bulletproof. And if we run him through the comps with a bulletproof profile, now we get Des Bryant, Allen Robinson, Jeremy Macklin, Hakeem Nix, Michael Crabtree, DJ Moore, Sammy Watkins, Jordan Matthews, Torrey Smith, and Mohamed Sanu. This list has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 out of 11 hits. LaVisca Chenault's going to hit. I, I feel strongly that LaVisca Chenault is going to hit at some point, but LaVisca Chenault is a different type of wide receiver. He's not like most wide receivers. In college, as, as he was coming out in college, people were talking about how he was he was like a kind of a gimmicky wide receiver, right? Like he he rushed out of the backfield, he could catch short passes, he could catch long passes, he, he could do it all basically. Well, he didn't really catch long passes, but he could catch your intermediate passes. He could play the X receiver, and then he could do all this weird stuff out of the backfield, which which is great for versatility, but not really what we're looking for from a fantasy football perspective. And I felt like in Jacksonville, he had a really low average depth of target. They wanted to keep him in and around the line of scrimmage. Not not like Debo Samuel low, not ridiculously low, but lower than you would have liked is maybe the way to put it. And now heading into his second year, we have Trevor Lawrence coming to town. And Trevor Lawrence, as you know, is one of the best wide or one of the best quarterback prospects we've ever seen. There should be a Tidal wave of hype coming for LaVisca Chenault once we get to training camp and Trevor Lawrence is in shorts throwing passes to LaVisca Chenault and it's going to be great. I'm I'm here for it. I am really excited for this moment in time. And then the other thing that happened this offseason is Urban Meyer was coming to town and we were kind of thinking, hey, you know, like LaVisca Chenault is kind of a gimmicky wide receiver. Urban Meyer has a long history of Percy Harvin type wide receiver usage, right? Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel, Paris Campbell, like all these guys kind of had the same type of role. They were used in and around the line of skirmish, out of the backfield, so on and so forth. And I'm thinking LaVisca Chenault's a perfect fit. This is great. Wheels up for LaVisca Chenault. And then at the draft, we have Herbert Meyer completely pulling the rug out from under LaVisca Chenault. Uh, to be honest, I didn't know it at the time. I thought he was drafting Travis Etienne to, you know, play running back like what Travis Etienne did in college. But Urban Meyer let it slip that he actually wanted Kadarius Tony. He wanted to draft Kadarius Tony to play the Percy Harvin role. And that is a really questionable decision from Urban Meyer. Kadarius Tony is one of the worst first round picks we've ever seen. And Urban Meyer was sad that he didn't get the chance that Dave Gettleman, of all people, beat him to the punch on drafting Kadarius Tony. Like if Gabe. Dave Gettleman is drafting Kadarius Tony. That should tell you all you need to know. It's a bad draft pick. Anyways, so then we have, you know, it comes out that he wanted Kadarius Tony to play this gimmicky role. That means he didn't want LaVisca Chenault to play this gimmicky role, which is kind of sad because that's the role that LaVisca Chenault probably fits the best. And then it comes out, now he has Travis Etienne only running wide receiver routes. He's only playing wide receiver. He wants to put Travis Etienne in the same role as Percy Harvin. He wants ETN to be in that role. And now I'm thinking again, LaVisca Chenault got passed over for this role. And it's just like Urban Meyer, WTF, mate? What are you doing? So yeah, like basically we have Chenault very unlikely to play the Percy Harvin role, which means he's going to play outside more than likely. Or or maybe not at all. Maybe they're going to do something 
completely strange with him. I have no idea. My assumption is D DJ Chark stretches the field. LaVisca Chenault plays X, which I'm not exactly sure how good LaVisca Chenault is going to be at playing X in the NFL. We'll find out this year. But people have been telling me for years when I say don't draft these Ohio State players because they don't produce, like, oh, but that's because Urban Meyer wide receivers don't produce unless they play the Percy Harvin role. So now we have LaVisca Chenault playing the role that you keep telling me that wide receivers don't produce in. So I'm just really uncomfortable with this LaVisca Chenault situation. Despite me thinking that he's actually a pretty good player. It's very confusing to me. <laughs> so now I'm looking at, this is just a value play, right? Like we have faith that LaVisca Chenault is probably going to be a good player at some point in time, but I don't know that it's going to happen this year. Urban Meyer's doing weird stuff. What if he ruins Trevor Lawrence? Like Trevor Lawrence is unruinable, unwreckable, but I'm not sure that Urban Meyer, I'm not sure that Urban Meyer can't rise to the occasion and ruin Trevor Lawrence. I'm just very concerned is maybe the way to put it. So now it's just a value play, right? Like what can we get for LaVisca Chenault? Is it worth pivoting? And when you put him into keeptradecut.com, a trade calculator, which is pretty damn slick, it pulls out the 201 Tyler Lockett, a late 23 first and Elijah Moore. And I'm thinking if I can get Elijah Moore for LaVisca Chenault, I'm doing it. And here's the reason why I'm doing it. Rookie wide receivers have a tremendous amount of built-in insulation. We don't expect, as, the, as a community, we do not expect rookie wide receivers to produce fantasy seasons. We expect them to impress. And if they impress, their ADP goes up. They get more value. So now I can decide after their first year, do I want to invest further in this player by holding them on my roster? Or do I want to punt them and re-roll for the next thing and hope that the next thing gives me more confidence moving forward. That's where I'm at with LaVisca Chenault. So with Elijah Moore, I believe that he is a good football player and I believe that he is going to impress as a rookie, which means that I can now flip LaVisca Chenault for Elijah Moore, sit on Moore for a year and see what I have. If it's not something that I want, then I'll flip Elijah Moore next year for something else. If it's something that I want, I'll just keep Elijah Moore. If I can't get this kind of price for LaVisca Chenault, I don't think he's a bad player, so I'll just sit on him until I can or until he proves to be usable in this Urban Meyer offense. Basically, what I'm trying to say is I have no idea if LaVisca Chenault is good. And when I am uncertain about something, I like to pivot. LaVisca Chenault is a pivot. So now we are going to talk about AJ Brown. AJ Brown was one of my favorite prospects in the 2019 class. He was my number two behind Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry obviously went off the deep end. AJ Brown went in a much different direction, which is fantastic. I actually pegged AJ Brown at the time as bulletproof before I used, you know, a definitive grading process, before I had set parameters. Back in those days, I was just eyeballing it. And I had assigned AJ Brown a bulletproof grade. I have since rescinded that grade. I still think he's a great prospect, but he doesn't actually qualify for bulletproof status in my current process. Obviously, we made the changes because it's better overall, but when you make the changes, it has to go across the entire population. You don't just get to pick and choose which players it applies to. So moving AJ Brown from bulletproof to coin flip was a bit of a sad day for me. Nevertheless, we still love AJ Brown. AJ Brown is one of the best wide receivers in football today. That is not up for debate. In fact, AJ Brown's sophomore comps after his rookie year, he was already destined for superstardom. His sophomore comps included, and again, this is based on his prospect grade, his profile type, his rookie year points per game, his rookie year PFF grade. That's what this is all based on. So his prospect grade was coin flip. So he is comped to long shots, coin flips, and bulletproof players. Keenan Allen, Dwayne Bowe, Cooper Cup, Percy Harvin, AJ Brown. That's the whole list. Every single player on that list 
had a top 12 season. Two of them had top fives, and obviously they all had multiple top 24 seasons. AJ Brown was a sure thing after his rookie year, and obviously his sophomore year went about as well as you could expect. In fact, he outperformed what I expected for him as a sophomore, which is great. That's what we'd like to see. The problem now is that AJ Brown's perception in the community, the hype around AJ Brown is completely unrealistic. We we have Jump the shark. We are way too deep on A.J. Brown. I put out a poll. First off, his dynasty value, most people are valuing him in the conversation, if not at the wide receiver one overall. I don't think that's right. I put out a poll uh, earlier this week, it was. And I said, where does A.J. Brown finish in fantasy football this year? So in 2021, there was four options. Wide receiver one overall, top five, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. Wide receiver one overall received 10.7% of the votes and I am completely bewildered. These are clearly people that did not look at projections. Top five received 51.5% of the vote. These are people that are, I don't know if they're looking at projections, but they're doing something weird if they are. And then we have 31% of the vote saying wide receiver one. So I'm assuming these people said, you know, wide receiver six to 12, back end wide receiver one. And then we get 6.8% of the vote giving him a wide receiver two projection. I don't think that's all that bad. I think that's pretty reasonable. Somewhere in that wide receiver one, two range. I I believe he's going to be a back-end wide receiver one or a high-end wide receiver two in 2021 and into perpetuity until the Tennessee Titans change everything. So let's talk about why that is because we have 62.2% of the population saying AJ Brown's going to be a top five wide receiver and I just can't get behind that at all. So in AJ Brown's target share, 2019, as a rookie, he had a 19.5% target share. That's really good. And 2022, he had a 25.8% target share. Number eight in the NFL. This is where we see alphas. True alphas. Wide receiver one candidates have 25% target shares. That's what we're looking for. The truly elite players, they approach 30%. Can AJ Brown get there? I'm not really sure. We'll find out. But here is what's interesting. It may not matter. Mike Vrabel took over in 2018. In 2018, Tennessee ranked 31 In pass attempts per game with 27.3. In 2019, they ranked 32nd, dead last, with (laughs) 26.9. That's really bad. That is really, 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 really bad. So 2020 came around, and they actually jumped all the way to 30th with 30.1 attempts per game. Not so bad. That's a lot better than the last than the than the two preceding years. All of these stats are from team rankers, teamrankings.com. So I guess what I'm trying to say is over the past three years, this is the Mike Vrabel era in Tennessee. They have averaged 28.1 attempts per game, which isn't very good. That's 450 attempts for the season. And then this year, they let Corey Davis and Jonu Smith walk, replacing them with, I don't know, a water boy and a towel boy. It doesn't really matter. They didn't replace them with anything worthwhile. This, in my opinion, is not a team gearing up to chuck the ball over the field. This is a team that is going to rely on Derrick Henry perhaps more than ever. And they're probably not going to be as efficient because they don't have Corey Davis and Jonu Smith making efficient plays like they did last year. Now it's just A.J. Brown and a bunch of nobodies who are probably not going to be very good at football because they're not very good at football. So really, this is just a terrifying situation for a wide receiver to be in, in my opinion. A lot of folks are looking at this and saying, ooh, target vacuum. And I'm thinking, yeah, a probably target vacuum. But the problem is there's not that much to vacuum. The pie is so small that it just doesn't matter. If you just take A.J. Brown's 25.8% target share from last year and apply it to the average 
attempts over the past three years. That's 450 times. 25.8% is 116 targets. That is not making anyone a top five wide receiver. I don't care who it is. Well, I might have to double check that. Tyreek Hill might have been in that range at one point. But uh, it's very unlikely to make anyone a top five wide receiver with 116 targets. If you bump him to 30%, he gets 235 targets. That's back end wide receiver one numbers. That's not league winning top five wide receiver one numbers. That's not close to top five wide receiver one numbers. We're looking for 150 plus targets. This is very concerning to me for AJ Brown. Here is a complete list of players with a 29% plus target share. I actually knocked it down to 29% because there's so few that actually hit 30%. (laughs) So this is a complete list of the past four years. In 2017, we have DeAndre Hopkins, Antonio Brown, AJ Green. That's the whole list. In 2018, we have Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen. In 2019, we have Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas. In 2020, we have Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Stefan Diggs. We have three players each year over the past four years. That's 12 individual seasons, seven of which belong to one Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. That leaves five individual seasons for players that are not named Devontae Adams or or DeAndre Hopkins over a four-year stretch. That's like one player a year. It is so, so rare to hit 30% target share. It's just, if I had to bet on which player that isn't Adams or Hopkins that's going to hit a 30% target share, it might be A.J. Brown, but there are so many other wide receivers that it could be. And maybe there'll be a whole bunch this year. Who knows? Who knows? Anything is possible. It's just unlikely. That's where the problem comes from. And if you're not getting top five type volume, you're probably not getting top five type production. And top five production at the wide receiver position is basically all that we care about. If you look at the average points per game for top five wide receiver from 2018, 19, and 2020, the average is 20.48 points per game. The average wide receiver two over the same period is 15.45 points per game. That is a difference of 5.03 points per game. That's pretty substantial-ish. If you look at the difference between a wide receiver two, an average wide receiver two, and an average wide receiver five, it's 5.18 points per game. <laughs> the difference between five, top five and wide receiver two is the same difference from wide receiver two to wide receiver five. If we aren't getting top five, it doesn't really matter. After that, it's all kind of the same. Wide receiver two, three, they're basically all the same. Back end wide receiver one, wide receiver two, basically all the same. There isn't a lot to be gained here. We need top five wide receiver production. We need top five wide receiver production. If you don't get it, you're probably not getting the advantage that you're expecting. And AJ Brown does not have that in his range of outcomes. There needs to be a seismic philosophical change in the Tennessee Titans organization. They have been run first for years. It extends way before the Mike Vrabel era. There is going to have to be an organizational shift. This is... This is something that, and honestly, it doesn't appear to be coming because they let their good players leave and didn't replace them with anyone of consequence. They could have drafted a wide receiver in the first round. They could have drafted a wide receiver in the second round. They didn't either. They replaced Corey Davis, one of the top wide receivers in football last year, according to, you know, things like yards per route run or PFF grade with a guy who barely got on the field in LA, Josh Reynolds. That ain't going to cut it. This team is not a high-volume offense. They're not even close. They're a bottom-of-the-bucket offense. A.J. Brown is going to have to have an enormous target share, like 35%, to get into that 150-plus target range where he can actually make a difference. 
It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry.